is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going Live Podcast. It is your host, Max Going, and today we are discussing some fantasy baseball as uh, there was a plethora of games this weekend and a lot of information to get to with some, some new guys, some prospects that we're also going to cover as a lot of injuries, as we discussed last week, a lot of injuries over... Um, the, the span of the last 10 days, and, and due to that, a lot of prospects, a lot of people getting called up, so we will be going over all that good stuff, uh, as well as um, our, our segment, our new segment that we are going to be using for the entirety of our fantasy coverage, whether it's baseball or football, called Pick 'Em Up, we'll go over that, then to, 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 to close it out, the guys who did get injured over the weekend, and some injury updates along with some players that you need to finally drop. Uh, a little high in the percentage in terms of their ownership, and I just I don't feel it's necessary. I think it's time to drop about, we'll go over about seven people. So before we do, as always, what is happening right now? And first and foremost, August 24th, 2020, Happy Mamba Day. And happy Brian, or <laughs> I can't say it. Wow, that was horribly said. Let me start that over. Happy Mamba Day and happy birthday, Kobe Bryant. There we go. Um, first one without him here. So just rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Just, I think it's uh, a shared thought throughout the sports community. Uh, we give our, our thoughts and prayers to his family as always. Uh, so let's go on to some news in the world of sports, and, and the biggest piece of news, in my opinion, is Kyle Lowry, sprained ankle. He did leave game game number four, and the timetable for his return is has is, is not been stated whatsoever. So we don't know if this is a week-to-week thing, a day-to-day injury, or if he will be back next, next game. Um, my thought process is after sweeping, They'll have some time off, and he potentially will be ready for game one. But he did not play in game four for this entirety, and he left uh, with a pretty pretty noticeable limp. So we'll uh, we'll monitor that, and, and if it's a week-to-week thing, a huge loss for the Toronto Raptors. Um, I think they, they still, with Fred Van Fleet at, at that guard position, still can make moves in the playoffs, but man, the leadership is what I think is going to really um, be missed the most, really missed the most, because not only are you a, a leader, but you are a veteran who has done this before, and yes, this whole team <laughs> has pretty much done this before, and that's why I'm not too worried about the Toronto Raptors, but Kyle Lowry has been playing basketball that almost at his peak level. Almost almost the best basketball we've seen him play in his entire career. So, uh, again, uh, a, a real real story to monitor for sure. Uh, Todd Reardon, Washington Capitals head coach, has been fired after being bounced in the first round with a boatload of talent on that roster. And it's no surprise. Barry Trotz leaves to New York and um, now back-to-back years since winning the Cup. The... The Capitals have not looked good in the playoffs, and so that is a, a testament to how good Barry Trotz is a, as a head coach and, as, and how difficult it is to win multiple cups in a, in a three- or four-year uh, period. So the Capitals will re- rebound and look to get a head coach 
to uh, capitalize on that talent that they have in that window that is not slowly closing, but you know Ovechkin is up there in age, and you gotta you gotta be honest with yourself that he's not going to be there forever. So uh, it's it's always a win now mode for the Washington Capitals, and so change had to be made. And sticking with some hockey news, Philip Grubauer and Eric Johnson for the Colorado Avalanche are out indefinitely at this point. So definitely out for the next game. Their status is up in the air. Could be a huge loss for Colorado as they did not look good in game one against Dallas. They are down one nothing, and Nathan McKinnon is pretty much the only player that stepped up last game. So they need a big rebound in game two tonight on and. NBCSN, excuse me, both games tonight on NBCSN, Islanders Flyers and Stars Avalanche. Uh, game one in the Islanders series and, of course, game two in that Dallas series. So that will be a good good night of hockey on a Monday night in August. It doesn't it doesn't get any better than that. Speaking of playoff games, Kristaps Porzingis is a game-time decision for game five. And <laughs> he missed game four with a, with a sore knee. And so we transfer over... From hockey news to NBA news, it sounds a little ridiculous, the hockey player in me, to miss a playoff game for a sore right knee. But that is not here nor there. It is a game-time decision. And, uh, you know, after Luka Magic, if you haven't seen the game winner, I, you must not have time to look at SportsCenter or, or social media because it was all over it. If you haven't seen it, please go on the Instagram, go on live. It's on there unbelievable performance by Luka Doncic. But my point is, is that they can't rely on a 43-17-13 performance from Luka Doncic every single playoff game. So Kristaps Porzingis being out could still be a huge loss for Dallas going forward. Um, and speaking of huge losses, Steven Strasburg, Washington Nationals, done for the season because of carpal tunnel in his hand. He will have season-ending surgery and was transferred on the 60-day IL. And um, I don't mean to <laughs> – this is going to sound very weird. I don't mean to uh, be happy for an injury. But the way it goes with Steven Strasburg is next year this is going to discount his price because of his history with injuries. And that is the, always the best time to get him is when no one else wants him um, – just take a look back at 2018 and 2019. He was a, um, a top five pitcher in fantasy baseball, and no one wanted him. I got him for 25 bucks in an NL only league. He went for 31 this year. So, you know that that is the way Steven Strasburg should be scouted in terms of fantasy ownership. Next year will be a prime opportunity to pick him up, but. Uh, with that being said, it is a pretty serious injury. Right hand carpal tunnel, not what you want to hear, uh, but hopefully the surgery does correct all that, uh, all, all those problems, and he will be healthy for 2021. And before we go into fantasy baseball talk for 2020, uh, one last piece of news, Brett Brown. This is breaking news just happened, so that is why it's at the bottom of the list and not the top, because it would have been at the top, because... Brett Brown fired from the Philadelphia 76ers as their head coach, and I mentioned this earlier on the podcast a few weeks ago. I think that the uh, 76ers are going to fire sale, and that includes firing the head coach, um, changes in the front office, probably a trade for Ben Simmons, and uh, you know, if you can <laughs> somehow, some way, get Al Horford off the books, um, that would be probably their their prime option going forward. 
A lot of people think that Joel Embiid is going to ask for a trade and request a trade. And even if he does request a trade, I do think the Philadelphia 76ers hold on to him because of the fact that he is a top two center in the NBA. It is very hard to find centers at that elite level in the draft, let alone free agency. And so if they're smart, they know the pieces that will work. Embiid is a piece that will work. It just doesn't work with Ben Simmons or, for that, for the matter of that fact, the roster at all. So a lot of money on the books. A lot of changes have to be made. And uh, in my opinion, I think the process is on pause. And Joel Embiid will have to wait and see what happens because he did just get that big contract extension. And um, you know, he doesn't have to go anywhere. Uh, Philadelphia would be wise to probably hold on to them and get more shooters. Get more shooters around Joel Embiid. Get a, a true point guard. And who knows? A lot of people think the Cavaliers have a shot. I think Colin Sexton in Philadelphia makes sense, but in my honest opinion, I don't think Cleveland wants to part with Colin Sexton the way he played the last 10 games. And I don't think um, Colin Sexton will be the best piece that is offered for Ben Simmons. So I just don't see that trade working out. But we will see as the 76ers, as a Celtics fan, I mean, this is hilarious to me. Uh, this is classic Philadelphia 76ers organization management. And, you know, music to my ears. But we'll see what happens with the 76ers going forward. I've rambled enough on the news. Let's move on to some baseball talk. And, boy, it was a big weekend for baseball. Some teams got back from the COVID. Or one team got back from the COVID as another one went on the shelf. But uh, the Cardinals came back. They played very good baseball against Cincinnati, took three or four there. And then, uh, unfortunately, the New York Mets found themselves on the wrong side of a COVID outbreak. Not, you know, not a huge outbreak, not a Florida Marlins-type outbreak, but one to uh, postpone many of games. So it was uh, it was nice to see St. Louis back because, you know, there's a lot of talented fantasy players on those teams. Uh, and I know personally I got some Goldschmidts, I got some, some Flaherty's, and with them missing 10 games, I missed two, two starts with Flaherty. So it, it's good to finally um, have them back in the rotation. But we are going to start... With pick 'em up. Pick 'em up! Yes, pick 'em up. The famous Jim Carrey line right there. And hopefully I'll be able to keep that soundbite. It's three words. I don't think there'll be any copyright issues. Uh, but yeah, for now on, that will be our nice little soundbite for this segment. Pick 'em up! And we'll start with, uh, with some prospects. Because as I mentioned at the start of the show, there are some, some serious injuries going down and some serious time being missed from some, some starting players. And um, when, you, when you lose a huge part of your lineup, it, is, it, is, you know, it makes sense to call up the most talented player from that alternate site. And so you're seeing a lot of guys come up. Luis Garcia we haven't talked about at all on this show. And uh, we'll start with him. We'll start with him because... Uh, I own him in a dynasty league. I picked him up in a minor league draft. And um, this kid's, you know, the one thing that the Nationals do very, very well is um, scout overseas and in the, the South American region. And, you know, Juan Soto coming up to the to the bigs at such a young age. People say that Luis Garcia 
could potentially be the next Juan Soto. Uh, they felt he was the better-hitting better prospect while they were both prospects in terms of potential. And so far, 357, six runs, a home run, four RBIs. He's he's really just showed off his skills right away. 19 years old, he's an absolute beast, and he is the, the you know the the Nationals keep re-signing Howie Kendrick, and they keep signing these older veteran guys to one-year deal. You know, Drupal Cabrera, guys like that, uh, um, Starlin Castro for example, um, and that is, that is really just to get Luis Garcia ready for everyday play and, and get him a veteran in front of him that will show him the ropes the right way. Uh, that's what's going on with Carter Keboom at third as well. And so the Nationals have this young wave of talent with, with, um, with Victor Robles and, and Garcia and Soto, and they are priming them in a perfect position to take over this team in a few years but at the end of the day Luis Garcia could be fantasy relevant today <laughs> and so he's only nine percent owned and if you're in a shallower league you know he probably won't make your your cut and that's that's okay you know guys like this are not meant to replace starting players but uh, if you're in a deep league, an NL only league, a, a dynasty league, if I mean, if you're in a dynasty, a serious dynasty league, he's already taken. But um, shortstop, second base eligible, can play. Hopefully, the rest of the season. I'm I'm hoping he stays up. I I I honestly don't know the contract situation in terms of time spent in the minors, but he is the future in Washington, and he is here. If it's not now, it's going to be the next time he gets called up to stay. Uh, he's shown off his his real his discipline at the plate. Um, he's he's really not striking out that much. And yeah, his first game 0 for 4. That's okay. Uh, comes off the bench the next game 1 for 1, and then goes 3 for 4 with three runs. And they weren't hard hit balls by any means of the imagination. Uh, but he's 19 years old and he has some some potential. So um, maybe. Just take a look at it. I'm going to just throw it out now because it's our lowest owned um, player of the segment. Get it out of the way now because we got a lot to get. A lot to get to. Uh, Joey Bart, another another guy who just got called up and a top prospect, prospect in the National League for the San Francisco Giants. And the best part about this prospect is... He's a catcher, <laughs> and the way catchers have been going this year, my God, dreadful would be an understatement. You have a you know Mitch Garver, who's a top five catcher, cons consistently, and they and across the board, everyone's top five. He's hitting 154 this season. So, for that is a prime example of how upside down. The catcher position has been Joey Bart is good enough where he is now considered a top 10 catcher in my rankings, and the way he's been playing comes right up to the majors, Has gets a four, so far has four hits in four games. So one run, or two runs, and an RBI while hitting 333 in a four-game hit streak. Not a bad way to start your major league career, um, but he will be the full-time guy in San Francisco going forward. I don't see him getting dropped or, excuse me, sent down anytime soon. Uh, they're, they, they know they're not here to win games. They know they're here to get reps. And San Francisco, uh, is Buster Posey's time is, is pretty much done. And so Joey Bart will have a great, great opportunity to 
get mentored by probably the greatest catcher of our generation. And it's a, it's a win-win for Joey Bart owners and Joey Bart himself. I, I see a really, really promising career ahead of him. And at only 28% owned, I think he's good enough where if you're in a 12-team league, if you're in a 10-team league, even if it's an NL only or a mixed league, he is worth getting on your roster, just getting on the roster, even if he's a bench spot. And I know holding two catchers in a one-catcher league is not always a very smart idea, but you know, Gary Sanchez, hard slump right now. I'm in a, a situation where I'm interested in adding Joey Bart to the team and, um, and, and seeing what he's got to prove We'll see. 28% owned. Um, this is an official time to pick him up. Pick him up! Let's move on to our highest percentage owned player of this segment, and that is a man, Shamanaya. Oakland Athletics, and just a horrendous start to the season. And if you look at the numbers, still doesn't look very good. But at the end of the day, he is 60% owned, and you might be wondering, hey, I have him, I'm benching him, he's not playing well, but last two outings, San Francisco and Arizona, no more than two earned runs, no more than five hits, no more than one walk. And so his last one, two, three, four, five, six starts, he's only had a, comb- a total of five walks in that time, which means to me he's getting his control down. And uh, here's a player that... Really could be a nice. Um, I mean, he's free, he's a free agent in my league, and I'm I'm considering uh, starting to really monitor him. He's going to have another start on August 25th against Texas, and based on that, I will probably either pick him up around the spot or or decide against it. But Shamanaya track record shows that he could be turning it around, and the underlying numbers show that he wasn't as bad. Uh, he, you know. Getting a little unlucky, and so I think that that is just the way baseball works. Sometimes you have a bad two, three weeks, and so in the 60-game season, you really want to ride a hot hand. Shamanaya might be that guy. Uh, speaking of hot hand, my God, Tristan McKenzie. Wow. Um, if you haven't heard of Tristan McKenzie... That's because uh, he's never played in the majors before August 22nd. Six innings pitched, two hits, one earned, one walk, ten strikeouts in your major league debut. Uh, He's 38% rostered. 37% of that is in the last three days. So uh, his name is starting to become more known, I guess you can say, and you know, with Cleveland's track record of, of producing starting pitching, uh, he is not available in any league that I'm in, and he probably won't be available in your league either very soon, so, you know, let's just say he throws an absolute dud next start, then this conversation is completely different, but what I saw with my two eyes, uh, that was dominant, and Against a team like Detroit, that's where the question marks come. It's Detroit. It's probably the worst offense in all of baseball. So, could be a, a gold mine pickup right here. Um, but because it's Detroit, I'm not going to officially tell you you have to pick him up. But definitely keep him on the watch list. 38% owned. It will probably be above 50 before his next start against St. Louis on Friday. 
and uh, that will be the real test. That will be the real test. If he can get th- if he can get through St. Louis, uh, I think his ownership goes up to above sixty, and he becomes a, a real, you know, at least top fifty starting pitcher in terms of projected projected numbers. So, I like Tristan McKenzie. He looked unbelievable. Peyton Corners hitting hitting real high numbers, ninety seven, ninety eight. Um, but yeah. And, yeah, let's talk some more, more prospects because a lot of prospects started over the weekend. One named Sixto Sanchez of the Miami Marlins. And here's a guy, 23% owned. Didn't look amazing in the debut, but he is going against a veteran Washington team. Five innings, six hits, three earned, no walks, four strikeouts. He throws absolute gas, and so the, his first strikeout was filthy. And so if you actually look at the eye test, you see, look, this could be a, a serious play for the future. Um, and whenever you talk about top, top prospects, uh, his name was on that list at one point. And so he's definitely worth at least a look against Tampa Bay on the 28th of, uh, of August, this Friday. And... You know, you go against Washington, you only give up three earned. I think he's definitely worth trying, at least picking him up, maybe not starting him, but seeing what happens against Tampa Bay on Friday because twenty, you know, below 30% owned, he's out there for you. Another nice prospect and probably the most most hype around all these prospects, prospects that we'll be talking about, that is the former number one overall pick in the 2018 draft. That is Casey Mize. And, you know, Chicago White Sox are swinging a hot bat behind Jose Abreu this weekend. And uh, Casey Mize, unfortunately, was just on the on the wrong end of that. Four innings pitched, four and a third, seven, inning, uh, seven hits, three earned, no walks, seven strikeouts. And that's what I really want to focus on right here. He's got filthy stuff. And Major League debut against a really hot offense, it's a tough combination going forward. Tough co- or tough combination um, to get thrown into in your first first time in the majors, but no walks. I mean that means he has command of his pitches, and if you have command of your pitches and confidence, you know fifty three percent rostered for a reason. This kid could be a real star, and you know just two years after being drafted first overall, he's already starting for the Detroit Tigers. Not like that is very difficult to do. In these circumstances, but nonetheless, he is definitely worth a pick him up. So go ahead and pick him up. Pick him up! Store him on the bench if you can. He's not available in any of my leagues, so unfortunately I don't have that luxury to do so. Uh, but I, I would definitely definitely try to get him. 42% owned uh, ownership increase in the last three days. So uh, he, he's going like hotcakes right now. And uh, Casey Mize, you know, when you have that number one overall pick attached to your name, the expectations are through the roof. Uh, He seems like he has the poise to really handle it very well. And so let's transition to um, from guys who might make a difference, younger guys that might make a difference for the first time, to guys who are going to probably make a very immediate impact, whether it's positively or negatively for their teams, and that is because they are becoming their closer for their their respective ball clubs. 
So we got about six players that we're about to talk about right now that are either in the closer role or potentially in the closer role going forward. Uh, and let's just start with some injury news. I don't know if I've covered it on this show because I think it happened on Friday, but Drew Pomeranz, we we talked him up, Drew Pomeranz. He's, um, you know, Kirby Yates went down, and and good thing they have Drew Pomeranz. Well, that lasted about five, eight, five to six seconds. Uh, he, he, he landed on the IL as well with a shoulder injury, which means now that Emilio Pagan is probably going to be the closer going forward for San Diego. And in the past, you know, San Diego was a team that won a lot of close games, hence why Kirby Yates was one of the most dominant closers in all of fantasy. And so when I look at Emilio Pagan, I see not only a, a, a player that is, is not very widely owned, I don't understand why. Um, San Diego Padres are playing great baseball, and usually winning teams' closers are much higher in percentage, but only 23% right now on ESPN leagues. And, you know, it might be because of his performance so far on the season, 6.23 ERA, 1.3 whip. But, you know, last two outings, one one inning pitched, two saves, no earned runs, only a walk. And so I think it's very clear that he is the closer for San Diego and I was uh, lucky enough to pick him up on a on a, on a team, so I'm excited about that. And 23 percent owned. Look, go get him, go get him. He he is going to be say he is going to be the closer. And you know if he pitches well, he'll hold on to that spot for the rest of the year. Uh, so I think this is my favorite opportunity right now. If you are low on saves, if you are you know, if you are in a hold saves league and you are in desperate need and you are not punting saves, uh, this could actually turn your season around it really could this is my x factor in terms of free agent pickups emilio pagan um pick him up don't know why he's under 25 percent owned but hopefully that changes very soon pick him up corbin burns corbin burns i don't i don't know how to even introduce it because we discussed it on the podcast a few weeks ago this guy is much better than what it says, and his ownership still was in the the single digits, and so I got him for a dollar in my ML only league. I have him for five dollars in my dynasty league, and I, I got him in the last round of my other of my other two leagues. Unfortunately, for one of those leagues, I was in a injury frenzy and had to drop him and lost him. But for the other three leagues, hey. I am now reaping the the rewards of a last round pick or a dollar player in an auction having a 3.4 ERA, a 1.18 whip, 36 strikeouts, and unfortunately he doesn't have a win, but he also doesn't have a loss. Uh, He is starting to slowly but surely get more comfortable going deeper into games. He had a little bit of a stint in the bullpen, I think it was just because he had to get the arm ready, a little more ready for starting pitching. Um, I mean, he, he the last six outings, the most hits he's given up is, is, is five. And so more than five strikeouts almost every time. His ratios are really good. And at this point in time, he is still only 36% owned. That has gone up 23%, though, in the last three days. So I think the word is slowly but surely getting out. 
that Corbin Burns is 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 no longer a sleeper or a dud. He is a legit starting pitching option in fantasy, and with the way starting pitching is going this season, you need all the help you can get. So, Corbin Burns, pick him up, pick him up. Yep, as Jim Carrey would say, just pick him up, pick him up. Speaking of pick him up, we talked about this man, Justice Sheffield, last time on the show. And since since then, we said <clears throat> to to monitor him. Uh, we are now officially saying you might want to just maybe a little more than just monitor. Now officially a top 40 starting pitcher or pitcher in general. And, oh, boy, last three outings, 18 innings pitched, 16 hits, two earned runs, two walks, and 16 strikeouts. That, my friends, are elite numbers against Colorado, Houston, and Texas. Three teams that are that is no they are not slouches. They are not even close, especially on the offensive end. So look, Justice Sheffield, I am fortunately in a position where I can't add him. I just there is no room. My pitching staffs are very good. 22% owned. Now Saturday, August 29th against the Angels. He is a two-start pitcher. No, he's not. Uh, he is not a two-start pitcher. So his next start will be on Saturday. And, man, uh, just just elite stuff. Just, I'm not really sure if it's a fluke. I'm not really sure if it's a, a flash in the pan. But when you have the name Sheffield <laughs> and you play baseball, uh, I'm going to lean on the your good side. So Justice Sheffield is Pick him up out there. He's out there and he's a Seattle Mariner and that is going to be the one thing that people are going to be hesitant with. Seattle Mariners get hit hard. Uh, he has not been one of them. So Justice Sheffield, the son of Gary Sheffield, very good. That's it. That is part one. I mean we haven't even gotten to our injuries yet. So that's a good thing. We got another part coming up, so stay tuned for that. And um, make sure to, to not let this go, because we got, we got half the list left. We got a lot of things to discuss, people. 